chapter 16. Amen. Enjoyed the revival that we had or the, the meetings we had with Tim Cohen. Uh, very, very fun. Informative and fun. Y'all really get into aliens, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Want more. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. If you're there at Proverbs 16, say praise the Lord. And if you'll pray for me, say praise the Lord. Amen. Again, pray for Prophetess Melvis traveling. Adele is going with her too for a while, so to help her over there, keep her in prayer. Everything. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Proverbs 16. Let's look at it together. Verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And there are so many different subjects here. Uh, we'll stop with that verse and just go through the verses by the grace of God, okay? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing, God, to rest upon this teaching tonight. Quicken your word, God, to us to teach it and to hear it and receive it. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Right, verse 1, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So basically that simply tells us that man, that we plan things in life, but it is God that brings it to pass. God is in control of the plans. Amen. Uh, let's go over for an example here in 1 Kings chapter 12. You will remember Rehoboam and Jeroboam after Solomon's reign. Uh, the kingdom was divided. Okay, 1 Kings 12, give you time to turn there. Now, the kingdom was divided because Rehoboam did not listen to the older men in the kingdom. They told Rehoboam when he came to the throne at that time, uh, it was a united kingdom. And uh, the advice from those old men of the kingdom said, Rehoboam, you treat the people good. Amen. Treat them good, and they'll get behind you. They'll support you uh, for as long as you reign, as long as you treat them right. But Rehoboam has said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it, I'm going to make it harder on them than, in my, than my daddy did. And uh, that was from the Lord, though. Because the reason why is because of the sin that was committed uh, by Solomon, God said there was going to be a divided kingdom. So this attitude and heart that Rehoboam had toward the people was, it wasn't God's will, but in a sense it was. He was in control of the attitude of Rehoboam. Now Rehoboam should have listened to the old men's wisdom and been good to the people, but uh, he went the other direction, divided the kingdom. Ten tribes went with a man named Jeroboam, ten tribes of Israel, and two tribes stayed with Rehoboam, uh, Benjamin, and Judah. Okay. Now, when that division took place, the Bible tells us that Rehoboam wants to go to war with Jeroboam. So verse 21, look at it, First uh, Kings chapter 12. When Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin. 
a hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men which were warriors to fight against the house of Israel to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam the son of Solomon. But the word of God came unto Shemaiah the man of God saying, Speak unto Rehoboam the son of Solomon king of Judah and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin and to the remnant of the people saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. The divided kingdom was from the Lord as a judgment from God. And so he says, Rehoboam, you've got some plans. You put some plans in place. You want to go and fight and try to reunite the kingdom. But God says, no, I'm in control of the plans, okay? And he says, don't do it. Don't go and fight because it is of me, this thing. Okay, so that's an example of how that God is in control. So we can sit around and we can plan plans, we're going to do this or we're going to do that, but ultimately we have to recognize the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of, of events. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen, but we have to put them in the hands of God and we have to trust God with the outcomes uh, that take place in life. And uh, even sometimes things we don't understand, it doesn't look like the right thing. Amen. But you just have to put it in the hands of God. Amen. Now, Psalm 75, let's go there. And this has to do with the area of promotion. You know, how many of you know that God can close doors and open doors? It's important to recognize that. A lot of people plan plans, but they don't say if the will of God is in it. You know, and God, you have to take uh, God into account in life. Uh, life won't go very well if you don't, because God is ultimately in control. All right, so Psalm 75, let's go over to that Psalm and look at verse 6. In fact, I quoted this verse this morning to uh, Brother Michael, who was fixing to go in for an interview for that promotion. Okay, verse 6, Promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. So promotion then doesn't come from all directions in life. The Bible says they come from God. Amen? So it simply shows you how much uh, control God has in life. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Let's go to verse 2. <clears throat> all, the man, all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Right? See, every man, you know, most people when they do something or they make a decision in their own eyes, it's the right thing. Right? But God says He weighs all of that in the balance. God has the ability to weigh everything in the balance. God does weigh everything in the balance, okay? So he is in control. He even recognizes or understands the motives of people's own hearts, okay? It's very dangerous for us to be led by our own decisions outside of the Word of God, okay? Man looks on the outward and makes decisions based on the outward. Let's go and see over in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 16. And verse 7, we see when Samuel was told by God to go and anoint the next king, uh, which would ultimately be David, uh, that the sons of Jesse went before Samuel and 
Samuel was going by sight. He saw the height and the good looks of these some of these sons and said, Surely the anointing of the Lord was before him. But none of those was God's choice. It was David. David was forgotten, basically a forgotten family member. And uh, so anyway, the scripture tells us again, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. I'll read verse 6 for context. It came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. See, he was looking on the outside, right? But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature. Don't make a decision based on good looks or how tall he is. Okay? You're looking, you're looking on the outside. You're making decisions based on what you see with your eyes physically. Because God says, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. See? You go by what you see, outward appearances, you can get really deceived. But see, God looks on the inside. He knows what's on the inside of every individual. Amen? And He weighs the motives of that individual. And God makes choices based on what's inside of the man, not one on the outside of the person. Right? Amen? So basically that's an example of that verse. Verse 2, all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. He puts us in the balance. The Bible talks about the book of Daniel. Thou art weighed in the balances and come short. So God knows our hearts today. What is in our hearts. All right, verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Okay, again, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. What does that mean? Anybody in a situation in your life you need direction? You need to know what to do? Okay, maybe a few of you right now are trying to make decisions what to do. You don't know what to do. Well, here's what the Bible says. If you'll commit your ways to God, that situation that you're in in your life, you'll commit that to God. And say, Lord, I need direction in my life. I need you to tell me what to do. And the Bible says what will happen is that God will begin to take control of your thoughts. And you'll begin to think the thoughts that God wants you to think so that you'll make the right decision. Because you're trusting God with all the things that you're going through in life or for direction in your life. So you say, okay, God, I need to make a decision here. And so what God will do, He'll take control of your mind, your thoughts, so to speak. And He'll speak into your thoughts. And you're going to start thinking the right thoughts and you'll make the right decision. Only if you commit your ways to God. Again, a lot of people don't do that. They just go through life. They make decisions based on what they feel is the right thing to do, what seems to be the right thing to do. And a lot of times it doesn't work out because they didn't commit that to God. So if we commit all our ways to the Lord, our works to the Lord, thy thoughts shall be what? Established. God will tell you what to do. Amen? Verse 4. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. He's made even the wicked for the day of destruction. So he made all things. How many of knew that God made the wicked for the day of destruction? That's in the Bible. Okay, now what does that mean? Well, first of all, it, it's God's will that everybody come to repentance. It would be better if the wicked would repent and get right with God. 
But God knows that there's going to be some people that will not repent and get right with Him. And so they have a plan. God has a plan for the wicked. What that means is that wicked people may rise up and try to stop the will of God, but wicked people and wicked plans can never defeat the purpose of God. Remember what I'm telling you. They can never defeat the purpose of God. God has a place for them. It'd be good if they would repent and get right with Him. But you see wicked people rising up and opposing the kingdom of God. You think, man, they can hinder the work. They might hinder it, but they can't defeat it. They can't defeat it because God is in control. He's got a place even prepared for the wicked. Now let me show you an example of this. Let's go to the book of Exodus. Exodus 9, verse 16. These verses are really showing you the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of everything. All right, Exodus 9, verse 16. If you have it, say praise the Lord. I'll start with verse 13 so you'll see the context. This is Pharaoh. And while you're turning there, I will tell you every verse that I'm reading to you today is a, is a sermon in and of itself. Okay? So there's a lot of things that we're looking at here. Uh, all right, 9 and uh, 13, Exodus. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine hearts and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto me in all the earth. For now will I stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Now, obviously, Pharaoh is going to resist the will of God. Okay? He's going to try to hinder or oppose the work of God, try to defeat it. But God says in his rebellion of hearts that God is going to manifest his power in that. So even though that man is going to try to hinder the work of God and defeat the work of God, God says, no, I'm going to allow you to harden your heart and then as you harden your heart in rebellion toward me, he said, I, God said, I'm going to help you along in that. After you make a decision first, you make the decision first to rebel against God on your own. And then God, if you continue in that rebellion against the word of God, then he'll push you right along into that rebellion. He'll help you right. So do you understand what I'm saying? So man hardens his heart in wickedness first. And if he keeps hardening his heart, saying no to the Word of God, this goes for all of us, you keep saying no to God and keep hardening your heart to God, then God will help you along the way of hard-heartedness. The Bible says God hardened his heart. So you harden your heart first, then God will harden your heart. That means he'll just push you right along. Amen? You don't want to get in that place. And so Pharaoh, God says, yeah, you're going to rebel against me. You're going to harden your heart against me. But God said, I'm going to use your wickedness. I'm going to use what you're trying to do to manifest my power and my glory. So that Pharaoh could not defeat God. And you know the story. God began to send the plagues upon Egypt, manifesting his power. 
and uh, the wickedness could not stop the purpose of God. And as a result of that, Pharaoh started having a lot of hard times. But one judgment after another, one plague after another came on him, started having a lot of hard times. So what did he do? Well, he repented. Look at it. Let's go down to 9 and uh, verse 27. 927, same chapter. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. Say with me, I have sinned. Even Pharaoh recognized that I've sinned. Was it true repentance? No, he just did not like the consequences of his choices in life. Okay, you with me here? He said, I've sinned. There's a lot of people who when they start going through things, they experience consequences for the decisions in their life, and these problems start coming to them, then these judgments start coming on them. They don't like it. And so what they'll do is they will say, I have sinned. Pharaoh said, I've sinned. But it wasn't true repentance. Because as soon as the plague lifted, as soon as the judgment went away, he went right back to his rebellion again. You know how you can tell if there's genuine repentance in the life of an individual? How can you tell? How can you tell if it's real repentance or if somebody's just saying, I've sinned because they're going through a plague or a judgment of God? The way that you can tell if it's genuine repentance is when that person said, I have sinned, it produces a changed life. Amen? People, if, you, if they don't change... They may say, I've, you know, I've sinned against God. And the reason why they're doing that is because they don't like the consequences. They don't like the judgments that's coming on them. So they'll confess, I've sinned. But as soon as the judgment goes away, they go right back into living just like they did before. They go right back into sin. Okay? So genuine repentance in the Word of God is not just confessing your sin. It's a changed life. You can talk all day long about how you've sinned and talk about how you've repented, you know. But if you don't change, you're just like Pharaoh. You just didn't like the heat you were in. You didn't like the problems you were going through. And so, you know, you just temporarily said, uh, I'm, I've sinned against God. Now, don't be that kind of person. Be the person that genuinely repents, that has the actions with the words that you say, that you speak. Because God is not about people who just talk. God's about people who put, put action to the words that they speak. Amen? So we say, I've sinned against you, Lord. Then God is expecting some change to take place in your life. That you're not going to go back into the same stuff that God brought you out of. Amen? Amen. Now, we got a lot of people like that. Man, you know, it's, it's, I call it foxhole religion. And I'm not the first one that calls it that, you know. Foxhole religion. There's no atheists in foxholes. You know what foxhole is? That's a battlefield term. Okay? And you're in the trenches, man. You're fighting. Bullets are flying everywhere. Bombs are blowing up. Let me tell you something. There's no atheist soldiers in foxholes. They got bullets going off, uh, going around, on around them, and bombs going off. And every one of them is calling on the Lord. Every one of them's crying. Every one of them's afraid. They're asking God to help them. Amen. And then, but as soon as they get out of the foxhole, 
get out of the danger, they go back to living in sin. That is not genuine repentance. Okay? So don't be like that. That's what Pharaoh did. So the purposes of God cannot be defeated by the wicked. God is in control even of their, own, their lives. And uh, I will tell you this, whether you like it or not, God's in control of your life. So it's better to just bow your knee and say yes to God instead of rebelling against God because God's got a place for the righteous and He's got a place for the wicked. Amen? The wicked cannot defeat His purposes. Amen? But so it's better to repent get right with the Lord. Amen? I believe the Word of God today. All right, let's go to verse 5. <clears throat> Everybody with me here? How many of y'all have ever seen that happen before? Before I go to the next verse. You've seen that. People get in trouble. Boom, they, they repent. And then they, yeah, they're around for a little while. Boom, you know, they go back to their world again. They, boom. I mean, it just, that's not true repentance. Give it a little time, you'll see. Give it a little time if it's real or not. All right, we pray that it's real. Okay, verse 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. It means God hates pride. You know why? Because pride puts self on the throne. A person that has pride in their heart always going to be putting themselves out front. You know what I'm saying? It's always going to be about them. They want to be on the throne. They want to be controlling their own life. They want to be the sovereign. For these verses, it's talking about the sovereignty of God. Amen. Recognize that. But pride says, like the devil says, I want to be like the Most High God. I want to sit on the throne. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. I don't want to live it according to the Word of God. Okay? So pride's a very dangerous thing. How many know that all of us have ego? We all got a little bit of ego, don't we? Yeah, ego. That's pride. Wanting to put ourselves out front. Okay? Uh, Wanting to sit on the throne. But humility recognizes its need for God. It says, I'm getting off the throne. I'm going to let God be on the throne of my life. I'm going to let Him control my life. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my mind and my actions. I'm going to let God be the Lord. Say the Lord. Of my life. So God hates. There are some things that God hates. And the first one's pride. Amen. Okay. Very serious thing. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. That means you can get people supporting you. Okay. Shaking hands and be in agreement with you. But remember this with God. The numbers are not the majority. It's the Word of God. You might have to stand by yourself and live for God and be right with God. But there's some people, they try to get a bunch of numbers, a bunch of people siding with them and agreeing with them, you know. And they feel confident. Because they look around, they got people supporting them, you know, with them there. But God says it's not going to help. Amen. You can't, if you're against God, you can get a whole group of people in agreement with you, but if you're against God, it's not going to stand. The judgment of God is going to come. All right? Say praise the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Make sure you're on the right side of God. And a pride will tell you, make you do crazy things. 
Yeah, it sure will. Verse 6, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Thank God, that's a, a scripture of redemption. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. I need mercy in my life. I need truth in my life so that the iniquity can be purged out of my life. That's the message of the cross right there. Mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Now the love of God is what motivated Jesus Christ to die for you on the cross. And we experience mercy and truth so our sins can be purged. But it's not the love of God that will cause you to depart from, from evil. Not the love of God. The fear of the Lord. If you have a fear of God, if I have a fear of God, you'll stop sinning. If you don't fear God, you won't stop sinning. Amen? You know, and a lot of times, the love of God, you say, well, God loves me. He won't judge me. God won't put me in hell. God loves me. He does love you. But remember, there's another side of God. It's called the holiness of God. And that holiness of God, the love of God will say, I've made a way for you to be in heaven. But the holiness of God, when you go to the gate, they say, you can't come in here. And so you have to fear God. You have to reverence God. If you fear God, you reverence God, you'll live right. Hallelujah. Amen? Yeah, man. That's God. Jesus spoke more about hell than He ever preached about heaven. Why did He preach a message on hell? Because He didn't want you to go there. Amen. You should fear God because He's the only one that can put you there. You know, the devil can't put you in hell. The devil, the devil can't put you in hell. Man can't put you in hell. But God can put you in hell. So you need to fear God. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Law can't put you in, the law of man can't put you in hell. Government can't put you in hell. Religion can't put you in hell. Churches can't put you in hell. But God Almighty can. You better get a healthy, healthy reverence and fear of God Almighty in your life. Amen? And, and it'll keep you living right. Look at your neighbor and say, but keep you living right. You know God will judge you. Yeah, man. There's some, some things you might go through in life, it's man's judgment. And it doesn't feel good. I tell you what, you come in the hands of God. Amen? On judgment day, when you stand before the judgment bar of Jesus Christ, you better make sure you're on the right side of God Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So how many of y'all fear the Lord today? And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That'll produce a, a life that'll be lived right. Amen? People that don't live right, live for the Lord, they don't fear God. And they'll talk about the love of God all day long. And a lot of times that gives them an excuse, amen, to live in sin. I believe the Word of God. I fear the Lord. I reverence God. <laughs> I remember one time when, before I ever started pastoring as a, as a young man, uh, hadn't been in the church very long, and the pastor asked me to speak. And so I taught, I think it was a Wednesday night, and uh, I taught the Word of the Lord, Bible study. And when I got through, some young uh, child said uh, to the mom, that man fears God. That's the greatest compliment that's ever been paid to me. That, that when that child told their mom, that man fears God. Amen. You can tell. You can tell when a person fears God. It's the way they live, man. The way they talk. They're careful. They're not careless or carefree with their life. You know, not nonchalant, laid back, man. 
No, 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 no. God, God. I'm going to answer to God someday. And I'm going to live for the Lord. Look at your and say, I'm going to live for the Lord hard. If you live for the Lord hard, it'll be easy. If you try to live easy for God, it'll be hard. That's right. You ever notice that? When you're living hard for God, how easy it is. And you start trying to live easy for God, notice how hard it is. Now we need a fear, a fear of a healthy fear of God Almighty. Praise the Lord. It compels me to preach the gospel. It should compel you to witness. Knowing there's a hell, a heaven to gain and a hell to shine, brothers and sisters. All lost people are be in that place forever and ever. So we need to fear God. Amen. And depart from evil. I believe the word of God today. I need to reverence God, fear God. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. Verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. If you're right with God, if you're right with God, if I'm right with God, God will make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Now notice this, it doesn't say the enemies of God. He said your enemies. This is individual. Okay, Make your enemies to be at peace with you. If you're right with God, praise the Lord. Now, the Bible says it this way, if God be for us, who can be against us? So there may be people that rise up against you. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I'll show you some examples. People may rise up against you, may come against you, may condemn you, be an enemy in your life. But if you've got God on your side, if God be for you, who can be against you? But if God's against you, who can be for you? Are you with me here tonight? Okay, let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Start there. The Bible says, And who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. If God justifies me, I may have an enemy trying to condemn me. But God justifies me. How did He justify me? Because He died for me on the cross. If He died for me under the cross and my sins under the blood, He's not going to condemn me. If He doesn't condemn me, somebody else might try to condemn me. But it's God that justifies me. So I'm not going to worry about the condemnation of a man. I'm not going to worry about a man being an enemy to me. I want to make sure I'm a friend of God. Amen? And if God justifies me and I'm a friend of God and God's on my side, there may be people that try to rise up against me, but if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. Say praise the Lord. Let's keep running a little bit here. Verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? As is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted sheep for the slaughter. Right? There's some people coming against you. Amen? Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So a man's ways please the Lord. He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise from God. Hallelujah. You're going to have enemies. Everybody has enemies. Even Donald Trump has enemies. I know it's hard to believe, but he does. Amen. You're going to have enemies. You make sure you're on the right side of God. It'll be all right. God's on your side. God will fight for you. Okay, let's look at some more verses here. Verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Amen? If you're right with God, God will give you what you need. Are y'all getting with, are y'all with me? I'm not y'all. See, that you change subject like this, it's hard. But I, I'm just trusting God you're able to follow me. And I'm moving pretty fast, and because I've got to, because I've got to cover a lot of territory. So I hope I'm not moving too fast for you. Amen? But just get what you can. Give you an example. By the word of God of this verse, the manna. Look at the verse again. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without what? Right. You can have a lot of money in this life, but if you're not right with God, what good is it? Amen? If you're right with God, a little is enough. Look at your neighbor and say, if you're right with God, a little is enough. If you're not right with God, you can have a bank full of money. And it'll never be enough. Now, what happened? The Bible says, and this is a long story. Amen. But I, and I don't have time to expound on it. But y'all remember the manna that came down from heaven? How many of y'all remember? The, the people of God were in the wilderness and they were on the way to the promised land. And God fed them manna. Gave them water from a rock and manna from heaven. Now, what did the Bible say? Well, some people went out and they gathered little. Right? But the scripture says it was enough. They gathered a little, it was enough. And then he said there were some people that gathered more than other people did. And there was nothing left over. The point is that whether you gathered a little bit or you gathered a lot, you had enough. Now I'm going to say this so you'll understand. In life, some people need more than others. And the reason is because of their responsibility. So you have some people that went and gathered manna just a little bit. It took care of their needs. That's all they needed. You had other people that went and gathered more because maybe they had a bigger family or whatever. But either way, if you gathered little or you gathered much, everybody had what was needed in the end. And there was nothing left over. Okay? So when you go through life, you have to look at your life and you say, well, how much do I need? Or do you see a brother or a sister and they maybe have more than you? Well, you need to maybe think this through that the reason why they have more than you is because they're responsible for more. Okay? So don't look at, go through life and look and always look and say, well, I wish I had more. I wish I liked brother so-and-so or, or sister and so-and-so. You might not need that much. Because you don't have to get as much accomplished in life. You don't have as much responsibility as that person. Okay? So depending on, on your responsibilities and what you've got to get accomplished in life, oftentimes we'll determine what you need. Amen? But, but be thankful, brothers and sisters, for what you've got. And don't always be looking, I want more. I wish I was like brother so-and-so. 
Well, do you want the responsibility of brother so-and-so? Do you want to have to accomplish in life what that brother or sister has to get done in life? What are your same responsibility? Are you required the same thing? God will make sure that you have what you need to get it done. Amen? Everybody with me? All right. So the main thing is being right with God. You need a lot, God will take care of that. If you need a little, He'll give you that. I, I believe God is a God of abundance. He's just that way. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. Verse 9, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Alright? Submit your plans to God. Let's go to Psalm 119, verse 133. Psalm 119, verse 133. It's a lot of verses in that chapter, in that psalm. The psalmist cried out to God, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. He's asking God to take order, direct His steps in life. And don't let any iniquity have dominion over me. So verse 9, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Sovereignty of God. Again, you can plan plans, but always ask God, God, direct my steps. Order my steps. And especially, God, don't let iniquity have dominion over me. Don't let it rule over my life. Amen? Acknowledging God, God's direction in your life. Verse 10. The divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. A king is in a position of power. People who are in positions of power, okay, uh, have, they have great responsibility. So they have to be careful with what they say. Okay, you with me here? Because of the responsibility that comes with a position. So we have a king here, and the Bible says the divine sentence, the divine sentence is in the lips of the king, his mouth transgresseth not judgment. He's going to be careful what he says. He's going to make sure what he said is accurate. Because he has a great responsibility that comes with a position. Now verse 11, a just weight and balance are the Lord's, all the weights of the bag are his works. How many of y'all believe God will balance everything out in the end? Things that happen in your life say, God, I wish you'd come in here and make it right. Well, the Bible says by this verse, God will make it right. Because He's in charge of the balances. Now, the thing about it is you've got to be patient. If you want God to come and make something right right now, and it might not be that He's going to do it right now. It may take some time. But listen to your pastor. Eventually, God will make it right. Because He is the one that is in control of the balances. And sometimes He comes in very quickly and He makes things right. Or sometimes He lets it go on for a long time. But ultimately, God is in control of making it right to balance it all out in life. But you have to be patient. You have to trust God. If you don't, you'll get all bitter on the inside. Why this happened to me? Why this happened to my family? Then you you get bitter. You quit the church. Give up on God. No, man. You got to trust God in everything. Don't get bitter. 
Brother says, I'm going to tell you something. You ever let bitterness get a hold of you, it won't be long. You'll be out the door. Bitterness is a poison. It'll poison you. You know where bitterness comes from? It comes from your heart. It tells you things aren't right. And I don't like what what I've experienced. I don't like what I'm going through. And God's not stepping in to make it changed. And you get all bitter. You take that, that poison, that root, that plant called bitterness and you eat it. It's the worst thing you can ever let in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, never let bitterness get in you. Never. Never. Bitterness will take the strong down. You don't let that get a hold of you, man. And, and the only way is that when things come to you in life, and they're not right, you say, God, I'm giving it to you. And you're going to make it right. In the end. It's all going to balance out in the end. I promise you. I promise you. Amen. Brother or Tim Cohen told me the other day, he said, he said, people don't get away with anything. That's what he told me. He said, people don't get away with anything. You know, you ever looked at somebody done something, looked like they got away with it? I mean, they're just getting away with it. Well, the Word of God says they won't get away with it. I'm glad Tim believes that, but the Word of God's more important. He told me they, they, you know, never get away with it. God is going to make it right. It's going to come around. Remember this, what goes around comes around, man. What you reap, you're going to sow. What you sow, what you sow you're going to reap. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. What sort of man soweth, that shall he also reap. What goes around comes around. I promise you. So make sure you're sowing the right thing. Because God's in the control of the balances. He's going to make the right wrong. I believe God. So I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get bitter. Things come painful, hurtful, difficult, don't understand it. Say, it's in your hands, God. Give it to you, right? You can be, you can be tempted to get bitter. But it might not happen to you. It might happen to some family member. Happen to your kids. Something happened to your kids. You get all bitter. Bitter toward God. Bitter toward the church, you know. Don't ever do that. Never. That's a poison, man. It'll, it'll destroy your life. Want to destroy your walk with God? It'll destroy your life. Amen. You'll get all sick in your body. No bitterness. Say no bitterness in me. Right, man. Just wait in the balance of the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are His work. He's in control. Now I know I'm boring you, but I'm. This is all I have. Maybe I'm boring you because you already know everything. Okay. But I don't, so I'm going to go over for my sake. But you already know all this. I'll just sit there nice and act like you're enjoying it, and, and I'll go over it for me because I need it. I need it. I need it. Amen. Verse 12, it is abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. You've got people in authority, rulers, dignitaries, kings, uh, world powers, world leaders. You got people in authority in the workplace. You got people in authority in the church. They need to recognize the authority of God. Amen. That God, God puts you there. You are an under authority, if you understand what I'm saying. No, all authority, ultimate authority is with God Almighty. Hallelujah. He raises up one, 
Sets up one, brings down another. God can set you up and bring you down just like that. He's in control who, who's on the throne. If you don't rule in righteousness, God can bring you down. Uncover, uncover the wickedness. You'll be out the door. So you, you're if in any position of authority tonight, anybody here tonight is in a position of authority, you make careful, be careful with that position. Always recognize the authority of God in your life. It's extremely important. Amen? So it's abomination to kings to commit wickedness for the throne. The, the throne is established by what? Righteousness. Amen. Verse 13. Righteous lips are the delight of the king uh, of kings. Righteousness is the delight of kings and they love him that speaketh right. Y'all believe that? Amen. Verse 14. The wrath of the king is a messenger, is as a messengers of death. But a wise man will pacify it. Verse 15 goes together. Verse 14. In the light of the king's countenance life and his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. Y'all believe that today? So what we see here is that you see the king here uh, is in a position where he can pass judgment or he can put his favor on something. He can do both. He can judge and he can bring about good. And you put this in the light of this king being God himself. You recognize that God is the king. He can bring judgment or he can bring something good in my life. Say praise the Lord. Okay, verse 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? So put value on the word of God. Verse 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserves his own soul. Amen. You stay on that straight and narrow path. You're either going to preserve your soul or you're going to lose it. So make up your mind to live by that verse. I'll read it to you again. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Amen. So keep your way. Stay on the right path because ultimately you're either going to lose your soul or you're going to preserve it. Very important. And I know I'm moving pretty fast. These are very powerful statements. Verse 18, pride goeth before what? Destruction. And the haughty spirit before a fall. Why does, why does pride go before destruction? Well, what happens is you get full of self. See, pride, again, we talk about pride, is you sit on the throne, your ego takes over, your, your you know, uh, yourself, it, yeah, I want to be king. And uh, that pride, that ego, is going to go before destruction. It'll cause you to fall. Amen. Y'all believe that today? How many of y'all, and I, forgive me for this little rhyme here, you know, but uh, y'all remember that little rhyme we used to we used to sing or whatever, read about when we were younger, Humpty Dumpty? Yeah. Oh, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horsemen, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That, that's what'll happen to you, man. You're sitting up there like old Humpty Dumpty. You think you're the king, you know, and then all of a sudden you fall off the wall and people can't put you back together. So praise the Lord, man. Be careful. Learn from Humpty Dumpty. You, you, you won't learn from the Word of God. Go get that old... Read that story by Humpty Dumpty. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Pride's a bad thing, man. Get full of self. You know, forgive me. And when I say this, I hope that the brother doesn't let pride get in his heart. But I really do thank for thank God for Brother Timothy Contreras. And I'm going to tell you why I thank God for him. Okay? Uh, because he's a professor at a college. He's a, he's a chair, math chair at a college. Um, he hasn't always been in that position of authority or power, you know. He came in the church. He was a math teacher at Midland Lee uh, High School. And uh, God blessed him. He got his degree. Uh, got a job at Odessa College. They promoted him, you know. God Promotion comes from God. But you know, this man never changed. He never changed. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is he never lost his identity. And that is, he recognizes his identity is found in God. See? See what happened? I've been a pastor in a few years. And I have seen people when they first come to church, you know, they're down here, they're really not much at all. Then all of a sudden, God starts blessing their life, and they get positions and power, and they got all kinds of money coming in, and all of a sudden, a test comes in their life. And that pride and self-importance and thinking they're showing somebody, you know, okay, starts showing up again. It shows up in their life. Why? Because now they have found their identity in their job. They found their identity in their position. They have found their identity in the power that they have now. They found their identity in the money that they're making. But I told my wife, I said, Brother Timothy never changed. And the reason why is because he never lost his identity. His identity is in Jesus Christ. He's the same man today. Hallelujah, and hopefully when he wears them big old thick robes on graduation day, and he's handing out all, helping hand out these diplomas, you know, that, that those old thick robes and that big old heavy hat don't get him prideful like Humpty Dumpty. He falls off the wall like Humpty Dumpty. He falls off the stage. Somebody have to go there and help him up. Come on, help Timothy up. But no, I told my wife, he said, I said, the reason why he uh, is the same person is because he hasn't lost his identity. His identity is still in Jesus Christ. Say praise the Lord. It is important, brothers and sisters, that no matter what happens in your life, prom promotion, power, wealth, whatever happens in your life, you don't ever lose your identity. I'm a Christian first. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. It's not in a title. It's not in a position. It's not in power. It's not in money. It's not in education. It's in Jesus Christ. God wants you to accomplish great things in life. I believe that. But if you're not careful, you start looking at the things you accomplish and you say, that's me. Great is the man that can separate himself from his gifting. See, okay, that's my gifting, but that's not who I am. You know, there's some preachers, there's some preachers that are so full of themselves, 
And if, I, if I've ever crossed that line, God, forgive me, because I don't want to be that kind of man. But they're so full of themselves, so full of their position, you know, and their power that they have in people, over people. Um, amen. And they, they can't separate themselves from their gifting. Right? See, they, they want to keep it. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I'm pastor. I'm the pastor, and I get that. But the thing about it is, I'm also a human being. And uh, I don't find my identity in, in my calling. I find my identity in Jesus Christ. He's my identity. I need God just like you. I'm a human being just like you. I don't want to be full of self-importance. It just, it's just a horrible thing, right? Say praise the Lord. And, you know, hallelujah. God's my judge. Uh, the reason why I act like I do sometimes or do what I do, hopefully it's for the glory of God. It's not coming preferably out of ego or pride. You know, I, I don't want to be that kind of person. But I'm just telling you today. But if something starts, you know, good things start coming to your life, position, power, whatever, that should humble you more. Not get you, make your head. You know, you accomplish a few things, big deal. Big deal. Give glory to God. You, if you accomplish things, you know, physical things, intellectual things, whatever in life, you realize you can have a mental breakdown, lose your intellectual ability. You believe that you can lose your physical strength. You, yeah, you better watch out. Start walking around thinking you're King Tut. Yeah, King Tut, man. In life. No, that's a horrible thing, man. That pride get a hold of you. Say praise the Lord. Now, I don't really, I don't have a thing against sunglasses, but when you start wearing them inside the church house, you know, I start wondering. King Tut, cool dude. Come on, man. What is that about? You know, it, it's just, I mean, I'm not saying anybody does that here. I'm just saying, it just, somebody said, praise the Lord. Who are you trying to be? Let your neighbor, let's ask your neighbor, who are you trying to be? You trying to be rapper Joe or? Huh? Come on, man. Don't pattern your life after those kooks in the world. That chains hanging around down to their knees. Big old chain, man. Big old, big old chains. You know. Just... No, our identity is in Jesus Christ. Don't ever lose sight of who you are. Because God can take it down. He can take it away from you. He gave it to you. He can take it away. The Lord, Job said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I said not long ago, What do we have that we have not received from the hand of God? And you're, you're, my greatest problem and your greatest problem is going to be pride. Letting the ego get a hold of us. Especially if you start accomplishing a few things in life. Hallelujah. It might, it might be a good thing is when you drive up to the front of the church that when you open the doors, the doors fall off. That might be a good thing. 
That'll keep you humble. Praise the Lord. You know, have to barb wire them shut. And as soon as you get a car, the doors don't fall off, and you start thinking you're somebody. You know, walking around. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, you, sh- you should be the same. I mean, no, we need to grow in God. But I'm talking about in the area of humility. That the more that God has blessed you with, position, power, money, whatever you got, the more humble you should be. The more thankful you should be. The greater praise and greater worship you should give unto God. Know that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. God is a good God. He wants to bless you. And everything you get, position, power, money, whatever, and even sometimes difficult situations, acknowledge God. Don't get so prideful. Well, I don't deserve this. You deserve worse. And one, one man says, I, they ask him, how you doing? He says, better than I deserve. That's the truth. Better than I deserve. Look at your neighbor and ask him. Ask your neighbor, how you doing? And your response should be better than I deserve. You see, you let that old pride thing get a hold of you. Oh, I, this shouldn't be happening to me. That's pride. Amen. Or good things are happening to you. You say, thank you, Jesus. Whew. Lord, I have more fear now. I have more fear now. Amen. So... There's something, and Brother Michael, I believe he's going to get that promotion, and uh, he's not going to change. I know Brother Michael, he's not going to change. He's going to pray more, because greater responsibility, man. Okay? He's not going to change. But you see him walking in here, and he's got his head up. And wearing, he's wearing sunglasses in the church. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't worry, we'll get we'll get him off of him. But he's not going to do that. You understand what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters? We got we need to trust God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Get full of self. See, humility says I need God. Pride says I don't need God. I did it myself. Look what I've done. Amen. Y'all loving Jesus tonight? Are you hearing the word of God tonight? How many of y'all blessed? Yeah, the doors aren't falling off your car. I don't think, really, honestly, I don't think God cares what you drive. If you won't drive up in here in here in a Mercedes or a BMW or a Ferrari, okay? I don't think he really cares, and I don't care. All right? Praise the Lord. Amen. Just make sure you, you know where it came from, and you keep thanking God for it. Hallelujah. When you say, God, if I need to drive a car and open the doors, the doors fall off to keep me humble, I'm willing to drive that car. All right?
Because I don't want to fall. I don't want to be destroyed. I, I just, Jesus help us all. I, I'll be honest with you. Some things I just don't, I don't understand. I, I don't get people. They had nothing when they got in the church. Now they got everything. And, and, and thinking they did it. Thinking they did it. I don't understand it. God can take it just like that. You know? God blessed us one time with a, we have a, a nice house we live in now, but He blessed us in a, with a nice house and we're in the process of moving into that house and I was walking through the gate one night and my neighbor hadn't really met him before. Uh, he started talking to me and uh, you know, he's kind of inquiring and inquisitive, inquisitive how we got this house, you know. And I said, the Lord did it for me. Didn't even know, hardly know the man. I said, God did it. He said, here's what he said to me. He said, you would have done it if, if you didn't even have God. Basically like that. It, God, basically what he said, God didn't do it, you did it. And, and I, I said back to him, I said, oh no, I said, I know me. I couldn't have done this. I know me. I couldn't have done this. That's what I told him. But I know God. God can do things like that. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Man, he, he raises up the raises up out of the dunghill, man. Raises us up out from among the dunghill, places of places us among kings. He found me on a, a pile of manure. My own made, self-made manure, and took me out of that and made a king out of me. So I'm, I'm not going to let pride. God, by the grace of God, and I'm not going to be so prideful to say I'm not going to let it happen because that's pride. But by the grace of God, I'm not going to let pride take over my life and heart. Stay humble before my God. Recognize that God. Is the one that does it for us. Put him on the throne. If you live for him, if you live for him, God will bless you. If you live for him, he may have found you on a pile of manure. But with time, he won't leave you there. And with time, you're going to start getting blessed. And when you do, what the Bible said? When you get houses that you didn't build and have wells that you didn't dig. Amen? Possess land. Don't, it says, be careful. Lest you forget God. Don't forget God. When good things come to your life. Don't lose your fire, your zeal, your commitment. Your walk. Through good and bad, you should maintain your zeal and your fire and your commitment and your faithfulness to God at all times. Pride's not the sin. Pride's not the sin of the rich man. Pride, oftentimes, the sin of the poor man. Pride, it doesn't matter your nationality. 
It doesn't matter your color, your skin color. It doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't matter your position at work. Pride can destroy anybody and everybody. Amen? So we, we don't need to let that get a hold of us. I'm just going to preach to the Holy Ghost emphasizing something here tonight. Seeing God open doors and people to come and serve Him in church. That old pride gets a hold of them. Man, it'll destroy your walk with God. No, you stay humble before the Lord. Be like Isaiah, woe is me. Of a man of unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why? Because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I need my lips to be cleansed. None of us, brothers and sisters, are the example that we should be perfectly. None of us, including your pastor. I am not the example that I should be in every area. And I know that. And I need God to cleanse me. And I need God every day. Because I know I can fall. I can stumble. I know some of you maybe think you've already arrived. You're already in heaven. But you better wake up. And you better shake up. And you better get off that pew. And you better get on fire. And get out of your complacency. And your lethargic condition. Which means no movement. Hallelujah. Means you're asleep. No movement. You're on the throne. No, God should be on the throne. Say praise the Lord. So David, King David, God, God made him king. David knew he made him king. And he danced before God with all his might. Took off his linen apparel and danced before the Lord with all of his might. Because David knew that he's the true king. I'm a nobody or nothing without him. He's the true king. And I'm going to take my royal apparel off. And I'm going to wear a linen ephod, the garment of a priest. And I'm going to worship God. Forget about my position and my power and my authority. I'm going to glorify him. People that stop worshiping God, scare, they scare the daylights out of me. Because they, at some point have allowed pride to get a hold of them. No, you need to take your kingly garb off. And you need to dance before the Lord with all of your heart and praise God. Worship God. It's only pride get a hold of us. It's a thing that turned a, a, a archangel, turned an archangel into a devil. Let me say it again. Pride turned an archangel that had direct access to the throne of God. Pride turned him into a devil. You can be an angel in the house of God, a servant in the house of God, standing in the direct presence of God and still be turned into a devil if you let pride get in your heart. God cast out Lucifer out of heaven. He'll cast you out. Hallelujah. 
Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you will not be able to remain in this house if you continually walk in pride. If you do not repent at some point, the presence of God will say, you're out of here. Because he will not share his glory with another. And it's pride that wants to make it about you and not about God Almighty. You better get off your seat and your throne and worship God. Because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's pride keeps you in the condition you're in. You'd be like, Dave, no! He's the true king. The Bible said, we're, we're dealing with some of these things about the king. The Bible tells us as long as there was a king in Israel, the things were smooth. But in the book of Judges, it talks about when there was no king in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And is at the end of the story, you can go through the whole, I can preach you the whole book of Judges, and that's what it was all about. As every man started doing that which was right in their own eyes because Jesus was no longer the king. God was no longer king. And you get it to the end of the book and there was moral confusion, there was spiritual confusion, there was political confusion as a result of every man doing what's right in his own eyes. When there's no king ruling your life in authority, you start doing your own thing. And I promise you by the Word of God, that you will fall. Because pride comes before destruction. Hallelujah! Pride goes before what? Destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. You wonder sometimes you see people fall. You wonder, say, how did that happen? I promise you the root is there was pride in the heart. Pride allowed that. Pride brought that. Amen. It'll turn an archangel into a devil. I want to stay humble before my God. I want to lay on my face before my God. I want to prostrate myself before my God. You do that. Bible says, if you humble yourself, amen, under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt you in due season. You humble, you stay in a position of humility. You stay on your face before God. You don't let an attitude, you're really pride, brothers and sisters, and an attitude of the heart. You start getting an old stinking thinking, an old attitude about you. You need to crucify that. You need to put it on an altar. Pride of race. There's pride of race. Pride of position. Pride of wealth. God, listen, man, God is God. I want to stay in a place of humility before my God. Take off your royal garb. Worship Him. Take it off. Knowledge, God is God in your life. Okay, I've seen him. I've seen him. I've seen the strong fall. And it was because of pride. I'm just telling you, it'll happen to you too. 
You don't listen. You don't listen. Brothers and sisters, there's nobody above the Word of God. Nobody. Nobody above the law of God. Nobody. And you get full of self and you start resisting the Word of God. Mocking it while it's being preached. You hear what I'm saying? Mocking it while it's being preached. That's pride, man. It won't be long. You're going to fall. And people won't understand why. But you let that attitude get a hold of you. Attitude. No, keep it on the cross. Keep it crucified. Keep it. Lay it prostrate before God. Amen. Say amen. amen. No, I, I've been I've been around for a while. I've seen them come and I've seen them go. Okay. Stay humble before the Lord. Stay pliable. Receive the word of God with meekness. When it's coming for, don't say. Nah, 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 nah. You'll be gone. You will not be allowed to remain. Not because I'm going to ask you to leave. But God will begin to what? He'll begin to put thoughts in your mind. And sometimes those thoughts are not good. Sometimes those thoughts are delusions. Because you didn't receive a love for the truth that you might be saved. God will send you a strong delusion and you'll believe the lie and you'll be damned. Pride is what precedes destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Humpty Dumpty is all they are. Humpty Dumpty, brothers and sisters, is all we are. We might think we're something. We fall off the wall. Great fall. Nobody can put it together. That's what pride will do to you. Hallelujah. The world puts a lot, puts value and a price on pride. You know, the egotistical, the arrogant, the prideful ones that put themselves out there as kings, you know. And you come come along, you find a, a humble young man or a humble young woman of God. And people start talking about him, you know. Humble young man, humble young woman of God. Maybe Maybe they're a little bit, you know, kind of different. It has nothing to do with your diagnosis. They're trying to live for the Lord. It's not that they're weak. I'm just going to say it. It's not that they're gay. They're just not like you. Because you're arrogant and you're prideful and you're full of yourself. And a humble young man or a humble young woman of God because they're not like that. You think you say, well, they're gay. You better watch it. You start saying things like that, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to fall. You're going to fall. That's a statement of pride and arrogance. So I'm going to tell those of you here tonight who are trying to walk with God, young men, young women, older like all the way across, 
you don't let this world, this pride, get a hold of you. You are going to be different. And the world may call you names and say things about you because you are different. But humility is not gay. Humility is powerful with God. Amen. See, the pride gets up in the heart. And, well, you will, so what do you do? Well, you try to be like the world. Start doing things that the world does. Try to be cool. Try to fit in. You know. That's pride. You be a Christian. And I thank God. For, I'll tell you again, I thank God. I and I don't think this is going to get to his head and explode his head, but I thank God for Brother Timothy. Yeah, There's some people in our church, man, they have positions of power and authority. But when you talk to them, unless you knew that, you'd never know it. And that's called humility. I'm just telling you, Brother Timothy's like that. He's got position, he's got power, he's got education. We don't walk around full of pride, you know? Why? Because his identity is found in Jesus Christ. Right? You're going to glory, glory in the Lord. No, don't, don't glory in your own, don't glory in wisdom. Don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. Or the strong man in his strength. Let him that glory, glory in the Lord. And that he knows the word of God. Somebody say praise the Lord. There's something, but I don't know why I keep preaching this. But I'm going to say where the Holy Ghost wants me to preach. I'm going to tell you this. There's something that nobody can manage. Nobody can manage ego. You can't manage ego. You can manage humility. Some people who are gifted singers, they can sing, but they have an ego the size of a house. You can't manage it. Okay? Now, football players, really gifted football players that can really play the game, but teams say, see you. Why? Because you can't manage their ego. And so they're released and they drive out, you know, and they think, man, there's going to be all the teams of the NFL lined up waiting for them. They still ain't got a job. As talented as they are because they're full of themselves. Attacking the coach. Attacking... You know what I'm saying? The quarterback for not throwing the ball to him. Give me the ball. Throw the ball to me. And I've seen him. They threw the ball. And he fumbled it. And lost the game. You can't manage ego. I can't pastor people that are full of themselves. I'm going to tell you, I know it, I can't. I can't manage you. If you're full of yourself and full of ego, I will never be able to pastor you. 
Because you will never listen. So it's okay if you're released. It's all right. The team will keep on playing. The team will keep on going. And somebody will step up in your place. And I don't want that to happen, but I'm telling you. Brother, y'all listen, man. You can't manage ego. There's some people's gifts that are consecrated unto God. They gave their gifts to God. They gave their life to God. You can manage that. Some people can't separate their gift from themselves. They're full of their ego and you cannot manage it. Brothers and sisters, you are one individual among many. And our desire is to work together for the good of all. And it's never about me or about you. And I've told you before, don't ever make this about me. It's not about me and it's not about you individually. It's about coming together. Hallelujah. Coming together. And working together for the good of everybody that's here. Somebody said praise the Lord. I believe it. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. You've already read it. You said, why are you mad at us, Pastor? I'm not mad at you, man. You feel full of pride you can't hear? Look at your name and say, he's talking to me. Now tell him, he's talking to you. <laughs> he's talking to you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'm talking to myself. It'll mess you up, man. You run from pride like it's a whew, toxic man, cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Now please, please don't start walking in false humility. That never gets anybody anywhere. You know? Okay, yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all say, why did God give me a pastor like the one I have? Maybe because you're so hard-headed. Don't say it. Well, you know... I, I want to go to church where they recognize what I do on the football field, recognize. Well, we'll thank God for what you do, but this is about God. Amen. And we, we recognize you every once in a while. I said, we'll recognize you every once in a while as long as they're not pride in you. But the moment we detect pride in you, we'll never even call you by name. I don't care how much great things you do in life. You got pride? We only mention you. You do something great and you don't have pride, we'll talk about you all day long. You do something great and you got pride, we won't even mention your name. And you'll walk out the door wondering, (laughs) 
Say praise the Lord. Y'all all right? Say praise the Lord. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't hear y'all singing my praises. Right? Yeah. So maybe I need you. Maybe you need me. Well, whatever, we, we need a thorn in the side. I said we need a thorn in the side. Lest we be exalted above measure. So maybe you're my thorn and maybe I'm yours. So you're going to run off. You're going to run off and say, I want to get rid of that thorn. Yeah, go run off somewhere. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll see what God does with it. But God knows what we need. Can we all believe the Word of God tonight? Believe the Word of God tonight. Alright? God weighs the spirits. He weighs your spirit. He weighs your attitude. He recognizes that we start talking about your success in life, what that's going to do. Your spirit's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah, we don't want to say nothing about you. But your spirit's where it's supposed to be. We talk about it all day long. It'll never mess you up. It'll never affect you. You'll still be the same person that you are. Because it's all about God. Everybody all right? Okay. Well, look at them. Look at them looks. Look at them looks, man. Scary, man. I'm going on. I can hear you. Is it going, Pastor? We got it. Go on. Say, y'all all right? Y'all all right? Praise God, man. I want to get it now. I don't want to be sitting in a prison, in a jailhouse somewhere, before I get it. Some people never get it. They never get it, brother. They, they govern by pride. They never get it. They go from one job to another job to another job to another job to another job. Never keep a job. You know why? Because it's always somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. It's the last guy that fired him's fault. And they never learn. They got a character problem. And it's pride. And that pride keeps causing them to make bad decisions. And so they can't keep a job. Humility is important. Amen. Pride in the heart of man. It doesn't matter. It's found in everybody. It's found in everybody. It's found in the guy living on the street. found in everybody. We all need God. Because pride goeth before what? Destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Amen. Yeah. Pride won't let you receive the Word of God. It won't let you hear the Word of God. 
Cause you to mock the Word of God sitting in the pew. It's not a good thing. Keep letting the Word of God deal with you. How many of y'all going to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due season? God will promote you. Promotion comes from God. God knows what's in your spirit. He knows what's in mind. He knows what you need in life to hum keep you humble. He knows what's in life to help you in your time of discouragement. Wherever you find yourself, say, God, I commend my thoughts and my ways. And we've already covered this. I commend my thoughts and my ways to you. You order my steps. And I plan, if I plan plans, if I plan plans and they're going against your will, God, step in. Step in. Listen, you pray, God, if I'm willing, oh, my will against your will. If my will is against your will, step in, God, sovereignly with your intervention. Intervene to bring judgment or to bring good as the king in my life. Override my will. You know what? I'm just going to preach to you. You know what? If it was up to your will, you'd all be in hell. Do you know that? You say, well, God, people say, well, we're free moral agents. We are to a point. But you better thank God. I thank God every day of my life that there were times God overrode my will by His will. And He didn't let me do what I wanted to do. He overrode it sovereignly by His will and changed my mind so I would not exercise my will against the will of God. You better thank God. You better pray like this. Say, God, if I'm out of your will right now, override that. I know I'm a free moral agent. I can choose. That's right. But God, I need you to override my will. If it's going to cause me to fall, to be destroyed, the things I'm buying, the things I'm seeing, the things I'm doing, God, override my will because I don't want to die and go to hell. You better thank God God overrode your will. If he didn't, you'd be on your way to hell tonight. So would I. God overrode your will. He's a powerful God. He planned plans. Preparation of the heart in man. Answer of the tongue is from the Lord. He's going to answer everything. He's in control of everything. You want it that way. You want it that way. Brother and sister, listen to me. I'm talking about the sovereign of God. When God created man, you created angels with a will. Your own will. You understand that? Everybody in here has your own will. Everybody can choose, make your own choices in life. He didn't create robots. He created you as an individual with your own will and your ability to choose. You understand that? And when He did that, that's the most dangerous thing that He could have ever done for man. And sometimes you wonder, why doesn't God come in and stop all this insanity? Because He sovereignly chose to allow man to have their own will. He chose that. You with me? Knowing that that was the most dangerous thing that He could ever do is to give you the right to make your own choices. And sometimes because of that, 
your will and choices will get you in big trouble. And you think, and it seems right, and I'll get to that verse in a moment. It seems right to you, but what seems right don't make it right. I'm going to say it again. What seems right to us doesn't make it right. So you've got to say, God, the way I see it, this looks like this is the right thing. But they don't make it right. What does your word say? So override my thinking. Override my will. Don't let me make a mistake in the heat of passion. The heat of emotion. Decision you'll regret. Everybody asks the question, how did I get here? Everyone that has fallen. Everyone that comes short. Everyone that doesn't make it. Always ask the question, how did we get here? At some point, it's because you stopped listening to God's Word and started exercising your will against His will. you got to pray, God, listen, if the Lord will, I'll do this or I'll do that. If the Lord will, I'll do this and I'll do that. The book of James, the book of wisdom says, when you say you're going to go somewhere, go to a city, you always say, if it be the will of the Lord, I'll go, I'll do this or I'll do that. That means, God, I'm planning plans. But I need you to intervene. And I need you to override it. If it's not what I should do. Hallelujah. Say, praise God. Or you can just keep busting through life. Boom. Just keep going through life. One problem after another. You go out, you leave God. You go out and you leave God. You better thank God it don't work. I'm going to say it again. You better thank God it don't work. Because God didn't create you to live without Him. If you know God, if you leave God, I'm going to tell you something. If it, if it works, if it works, woo! If it works, out. You are in big trouble. You need to thank God if you leave God and it don't work out that you get right back to God. The Bible said He created the destroyer for destruction. You better thank God. There's the, devil, the devil fulfills the purpose of God today. You know that? The devil don't, he wouldn't admit it. But he does. He'll, God allowed the devil to come against you and me to allow hard things to come to us so we'll get back in his will. He created the destroyer to destroy. He created the wicked. He's prepared a place for the wicked. They're in his control. Everybody's under the control of God. Even people who don't want to live for him are still under His control. You need to thank God and I thank God but things don't work out. If it keeps me in, on the right path. If you can, you can do your own thing and not live for the Lord, not acknowledge God and it go well for you, you are in big trouble. 
Somebody said amen. That means God gave up on you. God said, okay, do your thing. Praise the Lord. I believe these verses. See, all these verses I've already preached lead to this one fit into this very thing right here. Who's calling the shots in your life? King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Are you living unto yourself or unto God? Am I living unto myself? Am I living unto God? Does God even know you? I'll say it again. Does God even know you? Does He even know me? Peter will stand before Him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? Cast out devils in Thy name. Done many wonderful works in Thy name. Then will He say unto them, Depart from Me, ye workers of iniquity. The sign that you know God is not that you're doing good works or casting out devils or preaching. Knowing God is an intimate relationship with the Lord. That you've got an intimate relationship with God. That He knows you as His dear children. There are people that pray and people that preach and people that cast out devils and people that do wonderful works in the name of the Lord that will be in hell because they did not obey His will. Lawless individuals. Thank God, Lord. Thank God. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be preaching and go straight to hell. Praying and going straight to hell. Cashing out demons and going straight to hell. Why? Because He said, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied Your name? Cast out devils in your name. Done many wonderful works in your name. He said, depart from me, ye that workers iniquity. I never did know you. You're lawless. You don't obey me. So everything, your thoughts, your plans, your actions, your attitude, everything, we submit them to God. Lord, if I can't go to heaven rich, make me poor. And if I can't go to heaven poor, make me rich. But whatever I need, God, I'm looking to You. If I can't go to heaven with this job, let it fall apart. And give me the place, the job I need to be at. You with you hear what I'm saying? Do we trust God on the level of this Proverbs? Do we trust Him? That He's in control of everything? That we should put our whole lives, every aspect of our life in His hands and trust Him and submit our will to His will? Do you believe God like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. If we did, 
we would continue to live for Him and continue to serve Him and continue to worship Him, it, didn't, it would not matter what you go through. Good or bad. Amen? I need God in my life. Amen? Or you get, or you need Him. So, you ever you start getting starting to get a little attitude about yourself, you know, think you're really important. Um, do you have a degree? Are you a, a professor at a college? Have you accomplished that in life? Why am I doing this? Because I'm telling you, he never changed. He never lost his identity. And I'm, and I'm somebody's, some people are afraid. I keep talking about it, but I'm just telling you, man. Honor. You honor those that are worthy of honor. And I've watched it. You know, praise God. You know, Sister Michelle, she can walk around with a banner saying, My husband is the professor at Odessa College. He's. No, no. God gave Brother Timothy, Sister Michelle, Sister Michelle to. Let Brother Timothy know he's not important. God gave Brother Timothy, Sister Michelle, to keep him, Brother Timothy. Okay? Somebody said amen. Hey, Brother Dias, and this is a true statement. Brother Dias, I'm telling you, I wish you could have heard him. Maybe some of you have, I don't know. That man could preach. I, I'm telling you, I'm, that man could preach, okay? He could just preach. He's my mentor. And um, I'll never be able to preach like him. I'm trying. I really am trying. But he could really preach. And somebody, he got up, he was preaching one in a service, and uh, somebody walked up to him and said, Brother Dice, you are a model preacher. A model preacher. Okay? Well, I believe that. He had the voice. He had the knowledge. He had the anointing. To me, he was the model preacher. You with me? And so much so, when he was preaching on the radio in California, somebody in the movie business heard him preaching on the radio. And they came knocking on Brother Dice's door and they said, we want to put you in the, in the movies as a minister. And Brother Dice turned it down to continue to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, Brother Carter, he said, I could have been in the movies with Joan Blondell. Now, I had to go look up Joan Blondell because that's way back there, you know, to see who Joan Blondell was, okay? But he said, Brother Carter, I, sh I could have been in the movies, Joan Blondell. He said, but I turned it down. He wanted to be a soul winner more than anything. Amen? Praise the Lord. But that's the kind of preacher he was. A Hollywood came knocking on his door. And so a person came up to say, Brother Dice, you are a model preacher. 
So he's driving his car with Sister Dice. They were, I guess, heading home, I'm assuming. And uh, he looks at Sister Dice and he says, Sister Dice, did you hear what that person said about me? And Sister Dice says, no. And Brother Dice says, they said I was a model preacher. And Sister Dice, very quick, looked at him and said, you know what a model is, don't you, Brother Dice? He said, no. She said, an imitation of the real thing. <laughs> Say, praise the Lord. An imitation of the real thing. Boy, just put up a hole right in his balloon. <laughs> you know? So praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Sister Michelle is your sister dice. Amen. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. So God gives you a husband. <laughs> you say, God, why did you give me this one? It may be the one you need to go to hell. <laughs> You wouldn't have gone to heaven if you didn't have him because you got to stay on your knees all the time praying. Right? Say praise the Lord. That is if indeed he gave him to you. You just didn't take him. With violent force. You're a mind, boy. Get over here. Provided God gave him to you. You say, God, why'd you give this one to me? It could have been... And that's the one you needed to go to heaven. Say praise God. You with me? Keep you humble before God. Keep you praying. Sometimes a pastor needs church trouble to go to heaven. Keeps him on his knees. Yeah. Right? Everybody all right? Okay. Well, i got to finish. i got ten minutes. So I'm going to finish... Ten minutes. Ready? <laughs> Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Sufficiency and faith are both needed. You can have faith, but if you're not sufficient in your dealings, sufficient in your business handling, then your faith will not overcome that lack of sufficiency. Is it important that we handle manners correctly, that we're sufficient in life, and in that sufficiency we always exercise faith in God? You need both. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Say, it tastes good. The Word of God tastes good to me. Look at your neighbor and say, the message tonight tastes good to me. Tastes good to me. It might, might be bitter to the taste, the natural man, but it's sweet to the inner man. Tastes good to me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Hallelujah. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. Why is that? Because they just, the fool never learns. They never learn. They just keep doing foolish things. 
that's never learned. But on the other hand, I understand it's a wellspring of life. Amen. Unto him that hath it. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. As they say, you're speaking with your mouth what's in your heart. Verse 24. Pleasant words are as honeycomb sweet to the soul, healing to the bone. Sweet words. You know, be a, be a person that, that, that can have kind words. Kind. Say kind things. Be a kind person. Alright? Man, it, it, it's like honeycomb. Sweetness. And it's Praise the Lord. It's important we learn to be kind to each other. Because you're never saying, I want to be kind to you. Yeah. <laughs> There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Why is it way singular and then ways plural? Because every man thinks his way is the right way. But a man that thinks his way is the right way are the ways, plural, that lead to death. See, there are, way, there are things, brothers and sisters, as I said earlier, that seem right to us. But what seems right to us don't make it right if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. When I said, but I looked at it, I looked at it, and it looked like it'd be okay. I looked at it, I thought it'd be alright. It seemed like it was okay, but what does the Bible say? Because just, I say it again, and you, you say, why does he always repeat himself? Because I just have a bad habit. But what seems right don't make it right. What does the Word of God say? Hallelujah. Amen? There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the what? Plural ways of death. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. It gives you a teaching here on hard work, the virtues of hard work. An ungodly man diggeth up evil in his lips. There is a, is a burning fire. What do you say? There's always somebody, somebody always wanting to start a fight, you know. With their mouth, with their words. Hallelujah. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to start a fight. No, I'm not going to fight with you. The word. Oh, you want to start something with the words. That's what he's saying here. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. A forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separate the chief friends. A whisperer, the word whisperer means a talebearer. It's a tattletale. Now, can you remember? Bring, if you know something's wrong, bring it to proper authority. You're not a tattletale then. Okay? We're talking about, though, rumors. Spreading rumors. Okay? It's a rumor. Right, you verified it. You don't know anything about it. But you heard it, so now you're going to tell somebody else about it. And it's a rumor. You don't even have facts about it. You know what you're going to do? You're going to separate friends. Destroy friendships. Don't destroy friendships. You don't have very many friends anyway. You don't want to destroy them always running around using the tongue the wrong way. A violent man enticeth his neighbor. And leadeth them into the way that is not good. Say the violent man. The violent man. See, when he ties a neighbor, he'll try to get you to go with him. Right? Real practical here. Choose your associates carefully. Because you can get a part of a crowd, violent people, and they'll lead you down the wrong path. Say, no, thank you. I'm not going to be an associate with you because I am now choosing. I tried this before. 
this don't work. I'm changing my associates. I'm changing friends. Because you're the kind of friend, every time I get around you, you're the kind of friend that always gets me in trouble. And I'm probably hanging around you because I'm just like you, so I need to get away from you. <laughs> Find some new associates. It's all right. It's all right if you're lonely. It's all right if you're lonely. If you're doing it because you're right and you want to be right with God. There's some people, they always have to be with a crowd. They always have to be with the mob. They always have to be with people, you know. And oftentimes they compromise in order to do that. So choose your associates carefully. They'll lead you into trouble. Amen? He shut up his eyes. Five more minutes. Four more minutes. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward things, moving his lips. He bringeth evil to pass. That means he starts thinking in his mind, imaginations. That's where it starts right here, you know, in the mind, vain imaginations. So people start thinking in their mind, woman or man, imagining things. Then pretty soon it starts coming out of the mouth. That's what he's saying. Verse 31. The hoary head is a crown of glory. It will be found in the way of righteousness. What's a hoary hair, head? That's a white-headed person. Amen? White-headed. It's a person. Been living life for a while. See, been living life for a while. You find, you find a person that's, been, that's lived for the Lord. That it's be found, it's, it says it has to be found in the way of righteousness for it to be a honor. A crown of, of glory, right? I mean, y'all know there's some, you know, I'm almost done. I got two minutes left, two verses. But you know, there's some old people. Just because they're old, don't make them gracious. Okay? You know what I'm saying? There's some old people, man, they, she's spitting tobacco. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just because you're old, don't make you gracious, you know, and honorable or whatever. Hallelujah. But if it, the Bible says, but it be found in the way of righteousness. The person's lived their life for God. I'll tell you what you do. If you don't, you want to test this. Go to a rest home someday and just spend a little time among those elderly people. And you'll hear coming out of the mouths of those people the character that they've dealt, developed over their life. And if they're godly and they're Christian, they've developed that kind of character through life, that's what's going to come out in them. If they're an ungodly person not found in the way of righteousness, that means their life was wasted. A wasted life is a life that wasn't lived for Christ. And you'll hear coming out of their mouths, they might cuss you. You know what I'm saying? They might run over your foot with a wheelchair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, man, cussing doesn't like an old sailor. <laughs> no, man, but you got somebody that's lived for God. The Bible says it'll be found in the way of righteousness. That old white silver-headed person, thank God. Amen. It'd be a crown of glory. 
Is it worth it to live for the Lord, brothers and sisters? It's worth it to live for the Lord. Later on in life, that character, it'll start coming out that you've developed over a long period of time. Yeah. How many of y'all ever been around? Oh, gruff, just gruff. Yeah, I'm talking about grandma, not grandpa. Just gruff. You know what I mean? Just as, just as rough as an old leather boot, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you got those that, are, those that are sweet and gracious and you know what I mean. Hallelujah. Depends on how they live their life. It's what's going to come out of them in the last days. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Verse 32, he that is slow to anger. I got, ooh, I passed it by one minute. I got to finish. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Strong character. Somebody can control their temper. Strong character. The lot is cast in the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. This is the way they would do things in the Old Testament. They would cast lots to determine the will of God. I don't know exactly totally how it all worked. They had Urim and Thummim for the high priest. But anyway, lots and perfection. But sometimes they would bring these lots before God. And I don't know exactly how it worked, but anyway, they would cast these lots before God. Two white stones maybe meant yes. Two black stones maybe meant no. And a white stone and a black stone maybe meant wait. Did y'all catch that? Okay. Two white, yes. Two black, no. White, black, wait. Okay. And maybe, okay. And, but here's the, here's the point of this passage. Is that when they did that to determine the will of God, and I personally believe that that's, we don't do that anymore. We have the Holy Ghost in us. Amen. And the Word of God. But anyway, some people still do this, and they believe that it still brings the will of God out. The whole point is when those lots were cast, God directed the outcome of those lots. That it wasn't just chance. Please stand. It wasn't just chance. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you something? I don't believe in chance. I believe in the sovereignty of God Almighty. I believe that God is in control. And I want to live like He's in control. Praise the Lord. Because if I don't live like I should, live the way I should, He's also in control of something that can be in front of me to cause me to stumble. Amen? I believe it. I believe what I preach to you today. Hallelujah. So, sometimes you go through life and you say, man, that, that looks like just something came to me by chance. Said, no. God was in control of it. Hallelujah. How many of y'all believe the word of the Lord? All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for your awesome blessing tonight. Thank you for your glorious word. Father, tonight, you know our thoughts, you know our heart, you know our, everything about us. You weigh our spirits. You know our future plans. And Father, we submit our will to you. Father, override our will if it's out of the will of God. Lord, thank You today for helping us to understand the importance of letting You be in charge of every decision and everything we do in life. We thank You, Lord, for helping us, giving us the strength that we need to continue to live for You. 
And let us put these teachings, moral teachings and ethics to practice in our life. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.